0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. If you are a scholar of Scripture, if you're really interested in Scripture, you will learn that everything in the Bible is placed in a specific way and purpose for us to glean from. Like at ABI, they said, uh, the new is in the old contained. The old is in the new explained. Every, they they all they all blend together for a purpose. Now, when I I look at the book of Jeremiah and I see that he was prophesying uh, to to Judah about the incoming judgment. Sometimes we leave it at that, but really, the period of Jeremiah and Lamentations, th- those two books were forerunners for something that was going to take place. Generations and generations later, God, God the, the Old Testament was our schoolmaster. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So there's something in Jeremiah that is going to affect me in the year 2020 and beyond. Now, when I look at the book of Daniel, and that's where I want to look tonight, We've been in Jeremiah and uh, Lamentations. We looked a little bit briefly at Ezekiel. But tonight I want to look at the book of Daniel. It was written, written um, in the second century B.C. And what's different about Jeremiah over Daniel is Jeremiah was preaching to a people for a judgment that was impending. It was at the door. Jeremiah told the people, unless you repent, you're going to lose your land and judgment's going to come. Please repent. But the book of Daniel is not necessarily like that. Daniel sees beyond the present time and he sees into the future. And so does uh, Ezekiel. And he's speaking about a cataclysmic event that's going to take place Long in the future, along with the political climate of his time, he talked about Nebuchadnezzar, but his focus was really in times. I, was, I hear lots of talk about uh, global warming. I think um, it's not so much global warming, it's global warning. And I, I'm going to give you some scriptures tonight I know that the devil knows his time is short. He knows the Bible probably better than any of us. He doesn't obey it, but he knows it. He's had plenty of time to try to dissuade people from believing it or trying to get them not to believe in the authenticity of the word of God. But when I look back at Daniel, I see God warning us thousands of years ago about something that was going to take place. I look at Romans 8.22. I want to just look at the scripture. There are things happening in our earth at this present day that are trying to get our attention. Some people call it Mother Nature, all these other things. But I I look at Paul writing in Romans 8.22, and he says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. In other words... The Bible says we're going to see signs in heaven and in earth. There are going to be visible road signs for all of us to look at, to know that for a surety that God is about to do a great thing. Then I, I know that global warming probably plays a part, but not, maybe not in a way that others think, because when I turn to 2 Peter, the third chapter, in verse 7, it says this. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are preserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In other words, what Peter is saying is this earth is held in store for judgment. Now, God just didn't leave us here by accident. We were to be the modern-day Jeremias. We were, were to be the Daniels. We were to be the ones that are warning the people about judgment. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, the judgment in Jeremiah's day, we know that Nebuchadnezzar came down and he took he came down several times and took captives, and then ultimately destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Well, in a similar way, uh, God is getting ready to pass judgment upon a world that has rejected him. But it won't be just a local judgment, it will be a global judgment. And when I start to look at Scripture, and uh, I, I see that Jeremiah's vision was for a nation, but Daniel's vision was for all mankind. See, Jeremiah saw the people of Israel. Daniel sees the people of Israel, but he also sees the judgment of the whole earth. Now, almost like in the days of Noah. Noah prophesied about an event that was going to take place, but it was going to be a global event. Now, this is an important topic to talk about because we're living at the very end of time. We, we, we've seen these things, these signs come to pass. We know that the end is near. All we have to do is look around us and know that the earth is rapidly decaying and falling into a deeper sin than it's ever been before. Well, let me tell you a little bit, and you've probably heard me say this before, but I'll say it again tonight. When we look at scriptures like Revelation 6 and 8, talking about the judgment that Daniel's prophesying about, and we're going to look at that tonight in Daniel's 70 weeks, we're going to jump back to that, so don't think that I'm just skipping over it. But when we look at the judgment that Daniel's talking about, when it's going to take place, we look at Revelation 6 and 8, and we see this scripture, so I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beast of the earth. And then when I go to Revelation the ninth chapter and I look at verse um, 15 to verse 18 notice this, what John is saying and remember John And Daniel are working together. Daniel's seeing this event. John is actually in a vision, participating in the vision. And he writes what he's actually seeing. He said in verse 15 of Revelation 9, So the four angels who had been prepared uh, for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now this is in addition to what we just read in Revelation 6 and 8. Now the the number of the army of the horsemen was two hundred million. I heard the number of them. John, John, do you hear what he said? I'm not making the number up. He said I heard the number. God told me the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulphur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which came out of their mouths. Now, I want to go back, and this isn't a scripture that we normally read with Revelation, but it it should be. But when we go back to Zechariah, Zechariah is talking about the rook The same event in the Old Testament, Zechariah 6, actually, Zechariah 13, 6 through 9. Now, you're familiar with this verse, but now look at it in the context of the book of Revelation. And one will say to him, What are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Now, If you've been around a while, you know that this is really talking about Christ. He was wounded in the house of his friends. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, notice what the rest of this chapter says. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, the Lord, and the sheep will be scattered. Uh, Those sheep went into uh, exile. Israel ceased to exist as a nation until 1948 the sheep were scattered after the death of Christ then I will turn my hand against the little ones and it shall come to pass in all the land says the Lord that two th- that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die but one-third shall be left in it I will bring the one-third through the fire I believe that the fire that we're talking about is the fire of tribulation that is mentioned in the book of Revelation Because remember, we're talking about New Testament. Israel was scattered after the cross. And will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. And I believe that scripture goes right back to the uh, second coming of Christ. When they, they call out on him and he comes on horseback. And they see that they have killed the Messiah, and he's really the king of King, kings. But my point in reading this chapter was Zechariah goes along with the two-thirds number of deaths in the book of Revelation. Now now that we have Alexa, we can ask questions all the time and get answers immediately, which is kind of cool. Uh, I asked Alexa tonight, I said, what is two-thirds of seven billion? Now the population, according to, to census, the latest census, is the population of the earth is about 7.4 billion people. Well, let's say 7 billion for convenience. Two-thirds of 7 billion, according to Scripture, that will die during a seven-day period or seven-year period, is 4 billion 6 million people. All right? Uh, I'm starting to get straight forward. The more I, the older I get, Do we believe the word of God? Do you believe that? we got to believe the whole thing. You know, you can't pick and choose. Well, if I really believe that two-thirds of the population is probably going to be destroyed in the next, who knows? The tribulation could start next week. Everything's been accomplished that's needed to be accomplished. But even say it doesn't start next week, say that it goes another five, ten years, people that we are seeing every single day. Imagine two-thirds of the people that you know all dying through cataclysmic events within a seven-year period. And it's not just going to be a plague that sweeps through. It's going to be judgments from heaven and judgments in the earth. We're living at a very important time in history. We're the Jeremiah's. We're the ones that God has left to warn the people, to preach the message. And woe to the watchman on the wall that does not warn the people of what's going to come to pass upon a nation or a people. So when I look at Jeremiah and Lamentations, what would have happened if Jeremiah wouldn't have preached the message? What would have happened if Daniel wouldn't have of given the prophecies. We wouldn't have known some of the things that were going to take place. They were critical for survival of God's elect and for warning of people of God's judgment. When I look at uh, the time of Jeremiah, I look at a people that has declined, a nation that has declined into moral apostasy. But now, when I look at the time that I live and I see a nation that flaunts its sin and and uh, prays it before the world, I know that Brother Cordell mentioned a few weeks ago, about maybe last week, about the the Super Bowl. I never used to be a football nut, but I I older I get, I'm starting to enjoy it. And even though Green Bay wasn't playing, I turned on the game and I thought it would just be fun and I just didn't want San Francisco to win. I don't like anything in California. I wanted Kansas City to go, so. And I I really enjoyed it. It was really a great game, I thought. But during halftime, I left it on because, you know, the commercials can be funny, but the commercials were even stupid this year. I don't know who they pay money to watch to make those, but I, I started to watch a Super Bowl show And I had to turn it off. I saw them dressed like people in the Old Testament in the temple of Diana. I I actually looked at the screen for a moment and I said it looks like a scene from the Old Testament as they are sexually trying to flaunt themselves and gyrate in clothing that even looks like it's from the Old Testament. And I thought, The Super Bowl used to be a time when everybody brought their family and they they sat in front of the set or they listened to the game and it was a family event, but now we have to send our children out. And it's only going to get worse. I I look at the candidates that we have in the Democratic Party, and I'm not going to make this political, but it is political. And I can't believe what I see. Even in the New Hampshire primary, I can't even believe that they, they voted for a socialist that spent his honeymoon in Russia. And then the second runner up, I don't need to tell you about Mayor Pete. And I'm, I'm saying the world's crazy, it's, it's not the same world that I was born into. But the thing was, and I noticed it when I I turned it on to, to check to see if the game was on, I noticed that they had brought children up there. And they brought children into the practice that they were doing, young kids. In other words, it was like Satan saying, not only am I going to take the adults, but I am going to train up the children in the same way. There's a battle going on, not just in our own bodies, but we're seeing in, in our own nation and in the world, there's a battle that is raging. Satan knows his time is short, and he's doing everything within his power to rip away any morality that's left in the world. No restraint on the flesh, encouraging people to participate, even in the most debauching circumstances or situations. But in all these things that are going on, God is granting man a space to repent, to turn from his wicked ways. Now, when I go back and I I look um, at the book of Daniel, there's a couple things I want to point out. Daniel 9, 1 through 6. I'm gonna spend a lot, well, a few minutes in this chapter, but I want you to see some things that maybe you've not seen before. In verse one of Daniel nine, it says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations in Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts And your judgments, neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. The one thing I want to point out is in verse 1 through 6, we find a period before revelation of humility and confession. I find in Daniel 9 that he mentions he is fasting and praying three full weeks Then I I jump down to verse 10. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servant, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written by the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us, and against our judges, who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heavens, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. He's talking about the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecies. As is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. He's basically saying, after all these things, we we still haven't repented of our sin. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, as it is this day, we have sinned and we have done wickedly. The second thing that he's establishing is that we are guilty. And I think in in true repentance, man must acknowledge his guilt. It's quite evident. We must confess our guilt and repent and turn from it. But now, what I really want to go down and look at now is I want to look at what happens after fasting and prayer and confession and humility. Now God brings revelation because I go to verse 20 of the same chapter and it says this, Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. This vision was going to be one of the greatest visions ever given in the Old Testament. This vision was going to talk about the the coming of a Messiah, the death of Messiah, the deliverance from sin. It it was laying out the whole road map all the way to the second coming of Christ. And he says, "I, I want to show you something, but I cannot show it to you until you go through that period of cleansing. Repentance, fasting, prayer, brings revelation because it opens up the heart to the sensitivity to receive things of the Spirit. Now we look at verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make the end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Wow. This is heavy stuff. This is something that they are look, that the Jews have been looking for. Now therefore and, un, therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore. And build Jerusalem until the Messiah the prince. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after 62 weeks Messiah shall be cut off but not for himself and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary the end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. There it is. we We have the the crucifixion, we have the destruction of Jerusalem. We have the coming of the Antichrist who sets himself up at the temple and commits the abomination of desolation. all these things right there. But one of the things that I need to point out in Daniel's seventy weeks and in Daniel's prophecy, Daniel never allows, or God never allows Daniel to see the period for the Gentiles. In those 70 weeks, the the Gentile revival is absent. There's a period between the 69th week where the Messiah is cut off or crucified on the cross and the 70th week where the tribulation takes place. God has granted you and I that great gift of slipping into his church or into his body he slipped us in there and for the period of the gentiles or the period of grace man has lived the gentile church but before the tribulation can actually take place god's going to take that gentile church out of the way and then he's going to bring forth the wrath of god upon the earth I I hear people say how mean God is and how unloving God is. That God could kill his own creation. How God could allow things like these things to come upon the face of the earth. Two-thirds of the world's population. Yes, children. Yes, adults. God will be no respecter of persons unless you bear the mark of God during the tribulation, those tribulation Jews. Is it mean of God or is it careless of us when we've been warned of what's going to take place and given a chance to step outside or outside the wrath of God and have a place in heaven? Is that mean? Even though all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, God made provision to take away the sin and remove us from the wrath that's about to come upon the face of the earth. No, I don't think that's, I think that's the mercy of God. I think that's a loving God. Now let's go to the 10th chapter. I'm going to be reading from uh, verse 11, it looks like here. And he said to me, O Daniel... Verse 11 of Daniel 10. Greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for the, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I have, become of, I have come because of your words. Now, what I want to point out here is this is a a period that is in the third year of Cyrus the king. This chapter takes place two years after chapter 9. God gave Daniel the revelation of Daniel 70 weeks in the ninth chapter. And two years later, he comes back again to him and he begins to speak to him. And I'm going to keep on reading You know what, I wanna go back. I I skipped a portion of scripture that you need to hear. I'm gonna go back to verse one. I might just read this whole chapter. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, now notice it was in the first year in chapter nine. Now it's in the third year of of Cyrus, king of Persia. A message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. This is the second period of mourning. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine, came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was told by the side, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. For I have come because of your words. You don't think that prayer is not important? God came. God came. Or this angel came with the message because of his words. Because of his prayer. But the prince of the king of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. You don't think that Satan is trying to block this message? You you, you think it's an accident that this whole thing about global warming and the national summit and even on the State of the Union address that President Trump had to tell how he was going to plant many trees to help stop the the progression of what's called, some call global warming, the devil knows what's coming upon the face of the earth. It's about time that the church realizes what's coming upon the face of the earth. This issue is not just a side issue of a democratic uh, people, it's something that's a global thing that's The earth is actually letting us know that its time is short. And so the angel comes to him a second time. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. This is the end times, not the time of Daniel. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men, touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. What vision? The vision that God's given him of the end times. If I I look at the prophet or the apostle John as he wrote the book of Revelation, what he must have been feeling as he penned the words of what he saw that was to come upon the face of the earth. And then I see Daniel, who's been given a glimpse of what's going to take place, also trembling in great fear. But how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, my strength, no strength remains in me. Now, nor is my breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these words. These except Michael, your prince. So when, when Daniel is getting these visions... And he's starting to see the things that are coming upon the face of the earth. It's something that is so important that Satan is fighting against the angels from even delivering the message. It's a time for all of us. It's good to preach the gospel. It's good to talk about salvation. But we also have a commitment to tell the world of what's coming to pass in our generation. You know, we we teach Bible study, and we we all use the Scripture that says, uh, when Israel establishes itself as a nation, when it comes back, the prophecy about it coming back and restoring itself as a a nation once again, all these things shall come to pass in one generation. Well, we know that the time is near because Israel establishes itself as a nation. Never in the history of mankind has a people that has been separated for as long as they were separated, ever come and reestablish themselves as a nation again. From the time of 70 A.D., when they were dispersed into all the world, never in the history of the earth has a nation that has been dispersed as greatly as they were ever gathered again and established themselves even to a world power, of course. Because God ordained it and he says, when you see the leaves, the fig leaves, know that the time is at hand. Israel was the fig tree. There's leaves on the tree. It's a sign to you and I that we're living at the end time. So it's, it's not a time to build homes or build barns. It's a time for us to, us to understand that the day of the Lord is at hand. All that Daniel prophesied, all of the prophecies concerning Ezekiel, Concerning the end time, our present around us. When you turn on the TV and you get mad at all the sin and degradation, just say to yourself, That's God warning me of what's about to take place. Judgment is coming. I like the idea of the angel saying to him, Be strong. Yes, I said, Be strong. I'm not trying to scare us. I'm not trying to ruin your night. But I need to have a burden for those that I'm around. I need, if I don't understand that one day, two-thirds of my friends, those two-thirds of the people that I know in my workplace and the people I talk with, they might not even be around in, in eight years. They may, we may have entered into a period that I never warned them about. So I bear a responsibility I know that we talked Daniel 70 weeks. I just want to read this verse real quickly. It says, it talks about uh, the forgiveness of sins in Daniel 70 weeks where he'll come back and he'll make retrib- retribution for sin. Notice what Paul said in Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So the to- the, co- the clock is ticking. Christ has come. He's fulfilled A prophecy of Daniel 70 weeks. And I could go back and we could read from Nehemiah, the second chapter. I'm going to watch the clock a little bit because time is starting to get away from me. But if you went back and read Nehemiah 2, verse 2 through 8, you would see where the king, I got to read this because it's almost like a prophecy in itself. Where the decree was made to go back at the temple, look what the king says when he makes the decree. Nehemiah 2, I'm starting at verse 2. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing that thou art sick? There is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid and said unto the king, uh, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city the peace of my father's sepulchers lieth waste and the gates of, thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, The queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I said him a time. Moreover, I said to the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me the timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and the wall of the city for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So, God's moving upon Cyrus. That wasn't exactly the verse I was looking for. I might have missed it here as I'm going through my notes. But Cyrus writes a decree that God has moved upon him to build a house in Jerusalem. He doesn't say that just Nehemiah asked him to it. He says, God has moved upon me to, to build a house or to send these people back to establish the house of the Lord. I want to tell you, even in the establishment of the the, of Jerusalem the going forth to build Jerusalem God was dealing with heathen kings Do I think that God is using Donald Trump? Yeah, I really do. I I sometimes feel like I'm living in in the time of Joseph. You're saying what do you mean Joseph? Well, Joseph had a dream and he went to Pharaoh and he says, God has shown you in the dream, this is your interpretation of your dream, that you're going to have seven years of plenty and then you're going to have seven years of famine. I feel like Trump has come in, I've never seen a guy do what he's done. A president that would go to a, a right for life rally, none of the presidents we've ever had has ever went and made a stand for unborn children. I've never seen him defend the right for life and and associate himself with how life comes from God. I, I sometimes look at, how did this ever happen? And then I sometimes think, well, maybe what God is doing is he's giving the United States, America, another chance to repent and turn back to God He's giving us a, a time of plenty. All the stock market's up, all the people are doing great financially. Just like the days of Joseph. But remember that after the years of plenty, seven years of great famine happened. Now, that's just my hypothesis. I can't say that my opinion is any greater than your opinion. But it, it does seem to make sense to me. But to sum all this stuff up, because I'm, I'm, I'm talking beyond what my limits should be here. I don't want to get you so you're bored and fall asleep. But the crux of what I'm saying is I, I, I want to shake myself sometimes. I, I start to think about temporal things. I, I start to think about how am I going to do this or how am I going to do that or can I get this or can I buy that or, you know, things around us. When God is saying you're you're missing the events that are taking place in the world, all of the little things that I'm worried about today, they're they're nothing compared to what is on the brink of the horizon. And I have to set my priorities to fulfill those goals that God has set for me. Now, this message is not to make you feel bad. Sometimes we just need to shake ourselves and say, Lord, open my eyes that I can really see what's going on in the earth. That this place is really not my home. This is not my destination. This is not my destiny. This earth is not my destiny. You know who I am and who you are? This isn't your earth. You're just an ambassador now. When you got saved, you were assigned to an ambassadorship. You're a representative of heaven You're left here on earth to represent another country. The ambassador never buys land in the country that he lives in. He's just there to to represent the one that sent him. But, you know, I, I don't want to build big barns, and I don't want to get involved in a lot of things that keep me earthly minded. And prayer does that. So what am I saying? What, what are you asking, Brother Kylie? What you, is it that you want God to do? I want God to sweep into my life and reestablish a burden that I once had. Let me ask you a question. Maybe I'm just unusual. It wouldn't be the first time I was told that. But when I first got saved... When I was 19 years old, every day I drove truck. Every day that I drove truck, I would watch the sky. I'd say, I wonder if that's the cloud he's riding in on. I was anticipating the Lord's return every day. I really, truly believed it. And I still believe it. But I've, I've lost my edge. Are you with me on this? I've lost my vision. So what am I saying? Lord, renew my vision. Renew my burden. Help me to change my focus from the things that that trouble me on the earth to see you in heaven. And what's about to happen upon the earth and give me the burden for the lost that drives me to pray. And in closing, I'll, I'll just hit another point that I made, and I want you to see it. In both of those revelations, those times where the angel came to Daniel, he had prayed for three weeks. He had fasted and, who, and repented of his own sins and the sins of the people. I truly believe that wherever that prayer room or that closet is, that you get away with God and you seek him with not only words but with a broken and a contrite spirit that God will begin to show you things that you don't normally say. But it's going to be those periods of time where you humble yourself and wait. I like what the angel said. You know, I just want to let you know this, Daniel. From the first day you prayed. From the very first day. It wasn't, he didn't hear you on the 21st day. He heard you on the first day. When you determined to set your face towards heaven, and pray and seek his face. He heard you from the very moment that your heart turned to him. So it doesn't, I'm not saying, well, you gotta, nothing's going to happen for three weeks. I'm just saying it's a condition of your heart. And so that would be the summation of what I'm trying to say tonight. There's a whole lot more. I could go into 1 Thessalonians 4 and we could talk about the rapture of the church. I could tell you about 2 Thessalonians 2 where he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Do you realize that the tribulation period cannot start while the church is here? Yes, I believe that. I believe it with my whole heart. And you know why I believe it? Because John said that God would let or he would hold back tribulation until he removed us out of the way. Second Thessalonians 2, quote, He who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whose workings are after the workings of Satan. That's the Antichrist. So if you're looking for something to be happy about, (laughs) it's something we're already feeling because Christians are already dying in the world. Even though we're not seeing them die all around us, they're dying for their faith. That's just the beginning of the storm. But when the storm hits we'll be looking from above and not beneath but we still will feel the effects of what's coming let's stand there's that song it always happens I love this God has a sense of humor this is an old one remember this one this world you don't have to this world is not my home I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The heavens beckon me, the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I just don't feel at home in this world anymore. We need to sing that like we mean it. I don't feel at home here anymore. Lord Jesus, tonight, we take a moment, Lord, and we ask you to sweep into our hearts and our minds tonight and change us Lord give us a vision Lord of what we've not seen not to scare us Lord but to show us the urgency of the hour and the importance of our ministry because things will change but you will never change I pray this in the name of Jesus